Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. There's been lots of really cool um, tips and insights that uh, we've picked up over the last week or so. So I'm going to share most of those with you in the podcast. I'm recording this podcast on Friday, December 21st, 2018. And um, as always, you can find the notes and more information on all of the things that I've talked about at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. This is from episode 62 of the newsletter. So first, let's talk about algorithm updates. It looks like there was a relatively significant update that I had marked as December 17th. Um, I'm seeing some sites have movement as early as December 14th. So between those two dates, Google did something significant. I think that this was just another general overall quality update. Uh, I did see a lot of chatter in black hat circles, uh, but even a lot of the sites that we monitor uh, that are not using any black hat methods um, are seeing some improvements. So uh, this is actually a pretty cool update for us. We saw a great number of clients that had, um, I wouldn't say like full recoveries, but nice increases in traffic. Um, And there really wasn't one specific thing that people had worked on in order, you know, it's not like I can say, oh, this update was about links or this update was about whatever. Um, A lot of the sites that saw improvement had been working on how they display EAT on their site. Uh, So improving author bios, having better um, EAT-related information on their About page. We don't know how much Google actually looks at your own site for EAT-related information, but we've seen several clients now that have seen nice improvements and all that they have done is actually improve the um, the way that they display their author bios. Uh, so for example, if you were a financial site and um, your author, you know, your articles are written by people who have some type of financial expertise, then what you can do is write in their author bio, so-and-so has been writing about finances since 2001. Uh, she has experience ever since this happened and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that type of thing can potentially help. Uh, we also, though, for these sites had recommended we always recommend externally building up your author's EAT. This is something we're going to talk about in our next EAT seminar, which should be probably mid-January or so. Um, And what we recommend is that you do everything you can to get your authors known externally as experts on your topic, um, your subject matter. So again, if it's finance, then uh, encourage your authors to actually um, become a quote for Harrow. Uh, that's help a reporter out. And if somebody is writing, you know, somebody from a big, uh, well-known authority on finance is writing an article about a particular financial topic, and then your author gets quoted. And we think it's even better if you can get the quote to say, uh, author name from your brand says this. But even if they don't, uh, we really think that that's super important that um, Google can see that your authors are being quoted all over the place as experts on the subject matter. Um, a couple of the clients that we had uh, make improvements, they had tr- spent a lot of time trimming out thin content uh, and and in wherever possible improving thin content. Uh, but it's usually easier. I mean, if you have millions or thousands of pages of thin content, it's going to be a lot of work to, you know, work up and, and uh, improve each of those pages. So we do feel like some of our clients who uh, trimmed out thin content, we're seeing improvements as well. 
and definitely trust aspects. If you're looking for all of the things that the Quality Raiders Guidelines say about trust, then I wrote an article on the September 27th uh, Google update, which really I think was primarily about trust. And you can find that at mariehaines.com slash trust is a, an easy way to find that. So I don't know exactly what happened on December 14th to 17th, but, and also when I wrote the newsletter, it was only a couple of days past the 17th. Um, so hopefully I'll have more information in a future newsletter. With that said, we're coming up to Christmas and uh, next week we're probably going to have just a really small newsletter published near the end of the week. And the week after that, I'm actually on vacation. Um, so my team is going to be producing uh, most of the newsletter. Um, a little bit of a secret for you. At this point, my team actually produces a good chunk of the newsletter now. Um, but we may not have the algo update portion unless there's a really obvious algorithm update that everybody needs to know about. And then I'll take a bit of time on my vacation to... Uh, uh, to write about that. There was a really cool article on search engine land this week by Christos, and my apologies if I mispronounce your last name, Christos, Manogudis. Um, and he wrote about a potential recovery from the medic, so the August 1st update, and I really liked what he wrote. Um, I mean, it's in line with a lot of the things that we recommend. Uh, I'll just kind of read out a couple of the things that they did, but um, they worked on improving author EAT, uh, and so they, um, they actually had physicians review medical content on their site, and then they added them as reviewers using schema. So that's good. They linked author profiles to author pages. Um, and then they did a bunch of other things that um, uh, are in line with the Quality Raiders guidelines. I really liked how they talked about, they looked at every one of their pages, and they labeled them as either a do page or a no page. So the question is, is, are, is this a page somebody would go to to take an action, to do something? Are they going to buy a product? Are they going to fill out a form um, on this page? Or is this a page that we want people to go to just to learn information? And that is really, really important. The Quality Raiders Guidelines talk about knowing the beneficial purpose of a page. So if there's a page that people would land on primarily for information's sake, you don't want to make that really transactional heavy. Like you don't want to load it with calls to action. It's fine to have a couple of calls to action. But if people go to that page looking for information and then they're bombarded with calls to buy a product or sign up for a service, then that can turn people off and they can go away. And somehow Google seems to be able to um, determine that, you know, these pages are not meeting the people's needs. Uh, and so this is great. So what they did, I think, is if it was uh, a page that was more of a no page, so I, people go there to learn information, then, um, like I said, they reduced the calls to action. They made it really clear, look, the purpose of this page is to teach you about blah, blah, blah. And if there were pages that uh, people would land on with transactional intent, then they would make it really clear, look, if you want to buy a product, here's how you do it. Um, and that seems to have helped them. The part of the recovery that is very interesting to me is uh, they said that they completely disassociated the site with its blog. So the blog had tons of low quality content. And what they did was they no followed all of the links from their main site to their blog. Um, and I believe that they no indexed the blog. I could be wrong on that. Uh, the point is that the blog was a, a, a big chunk of their site that had low quality content. Um, and while ideally it would be best to go through all that content and beef it up, 
practically that's not uh, something that can always be done. So I think that this was a big part of the recovery. And we actually, we reviewed a site this week where uh, we were debating on um, the same sort of thing. The site had good content, but they had a forum with hundreds of thousands of pages that really nobody would want to land on from search. Like some of them were form user profiles. A lot of them were just discussions that were kind of useless. I mean, it, maybe the people having the discussion enjoyed it, but they wouldn't really help anybody else. And so, uh, you know, we said the same thing, like really you should be selectively indexing only the best of these, but we recognize that that's really challenging to do. You can't go through a forum with millions of posts and one by one pick out which are the ones you want to keep. Um, and so we gave them, you know, some ideas of how you can break down what to keep. But we also said as a drastic measure, you could consider separating the forum from your site. Now, I, I'm even hesitating on whether to say this because you know, the forum has some good content. And so this situation is a little bit uh, different than other sites. But the point is, if you have a big chunk of your site that is really, really low content, then it may help the rest of your site if you can uh, um, no-index that content. Uh, you just have to be careful because you could be no-indexing internal links and, you know, it's not always an easy decision. Uh, it was neat to see John Mueller had a comment on the medic update. This was in a Reddit thread. Uh, and so somebody had asked on the Reddit thread, I think uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but they said, I, I really don't want to hear answers talking about quality raters guidelines because that's all I hear when I'm, I'm trying to ask information on medic. I want, uh, you know, how do I change technical things? How do I change my on-page elements? What do I do when I've been hit August 1st? And so John actually did say, this is a quote from him, the quality raters guidelines and the old Panda blog post, uh, more guidance on building high quality sites are good places to get ideas. The important point in my eyes is that this is not a tweak H1s, inject keywords, get links kind of traditional SEO work, but rather you want to take a step back understand where the site's audience is and where it's going and rethink how you'd like to position the site within the 2019 plus web. And I really think, I mean, John's saying here, look to the quality raters guidelines. I know I sound like a bit of a broken record. Um, and I know there are people who still are not, um, on board with uh, the type of emphasis that we put on these guidelines, but there is so much good information in there. And, uh, I really would encourage you to, to read them and to, um, uh, apply what you can to your website and to your business. Google made an announcement this week that mobile first indexing is now two years old. It's hard to believe that we've been talking about this for more than two years now. Um, John Mueller tweeted something interesting where he said, uh, there's a delay in messaging for mobile first indexing. And a lot of sites may have already been moved to mobile first indexing and you haven't received a message yet. Um, it's important to know because, I mean, Google tries not to move a site to mobile-first indexing uh, until you're ready. And for those who are new to this podcast or are not sure what mobile-first indexing is, it means that Google's getting, they're crawling the mobile version of your site. And so if it's not identical to the desktop version, then you could potentially see some drops. And so you really do want to pinpoint when you were moved to mobile-first indexing because we have seen some sites that saw drops after being moved to mobile first indexing. It's also important to know that when you do get the notification that you've been moved, um, it might have happened weeks 
before that. So the best way to know is to actually look at server logs. I have some information on past newsletters on how to do that. Uh, and you want to look at your server logs and see is the majority of the crawling happening uh, by Googlebot by mobile or by desktop Googlebot. And if it's mobile, then you're moved to mobile first indexing. Um, those of you, you probably know that Search Console, Google's really trying to move people over to the new version of Search Console. It's really frustrating though, because a lot of the reports are still only available on the old version. If you're going to the old version of Search Console and you can't find a report that you used to use, it's because they've completely moved some of them over to the new version. So that's good to know. Chrome 72 is going to be out soon. And they made some announcements about what's going to change. Now, a lot of these are technical things that I don't think are important for us to dig into really deeply. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff about ads. Um, there's stuff about pop-ups uh, and how uh, Chrome will be more strict in blocking pop-ups. Um, and also, they're uh, doing something to stop the hack where some sites will disable the back button. Um, that was a, a, a hack that tried to keep people more engaged on the site. Um, and so, you know, one of the very first metrics that Google ever used was seeing uh, whether people quickly bounced back to the search results, meaning that, oh, they didn't find what they needed on this page. So, and then they did another search. Well, if you disable the back button, then you can't go back to the search results. And the idea was that that would actually make it look like your site was more valuable than it is. Uh, so it looks like the new version of Chrome that's coming out soon is uh, is going to prevent that from happening. Um, some people have noticed that uh, there are now image thumbnails in related searches. I haven't seen this yet. Uh, I don't think there's too much, you know, once I, once I start seeing that, I think I'll comment more on um, whether there's something we could do to take advantage of that. Um, people are all seeing, also seeing now stories in Google. Um, this is almost like an Instagram story, but you can do it uh, for your brand. And so um, it's something to pay attention to. I've talked about this in past newsletters. I do think it could be quite interesting. I mean, again, the example I used before was if you're a plumber and um, you know, you could create a, a story on how to unclog a toilet. I know that seems ridiculous, but then when people are uh, doing a Google search for how do I unclog my toilet, they may actually see your story. And I don't know, maybe you there's a way that you'll be able to target them to location, but or maybe Google will be more likely to show it if you're in their location. Um, but the story is like a quick way to gain some uh, high rankings. Uh, so I don't have a lot of information on how to create these. I do believe we've talked about them in the past, but I think you should pay attention to these. I think that's something that we're going to see more of in the future. And it could be, uh, it's kind of like Google posts. It's another way that you can just get more information about your brand in the search results in front of people's eyes. Um, WordPress has been urging people now to update to not five, but 5.0.1. Uh, in my last newsletter, I said don't upgrade to WordPress yet because I'm hearing so many stories of sites breaking. I say I think now if you have the ability to do a backup of your site first and to test things extensively, you can go ahead and upgrade to WordPress. This is something we'll probably be doing uh, in the next few weeks or so for our sites. I'm still waiting for more information though, but I haven't heard too many people complaining that Word, the WordPress upgrade broke their site. Um, so provided you don't have an ancient site that you've never upgraded, you should be fine at this point to, uh, to upgrade. Um, 
There was a bit of discussion about unnatural links this week and which links to disavow. And uh, I really liked this quote from John Mueller. This was a tweet that he gave. And he said, um, if a random, if a, if a tool is telling you which links to disavow, they're probably already being ignored. Interesting, right? So, and I see this, I mean, back in the days before Penguin 4.0, we would want to disavow every sort of spammy, unnatural link. Um, I mean, Google was good at catching the ultra spam, but things like low quality directories, um, e-sign articles, types of low quality links, uh, we would disavow all those. And I still do today if I'm doing a link audit. But if that's the only kind of link that a site has, probably Google's able to just ignore those links. And I don't pay too much attention to them. The links right now that Google is either giving a manual action for or potentially links that could cause harm to your site are ones where it's really obvious that you're making these for SEO reasons. So I'm talking about sort of, quote, high quality guest posting, um, article syndication in a way where like maybe people actually do read these posts or buying links on a newspaper site uh, that is really, really high domain authority, looks like it would be an authoritative site, but you've purchased links there. I'm talking about the types of links that actually work to improve rankings those are the ones that you should be disavowing. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but, um, and some people, it depends on the type of site you have. If you have like a churn and burn site where it doesn't matter if you destroy the site or it stops ranking, then yeah, I mean, you can play around with this type of thing. It's not recommended. It's not within Google's guidelines, but it's not illegal, um, you know, and provided you're doing things in an ethical way, it's not immoral. Uh, so, and who am I to say, you know, whether you should be building links in a, in a moral way. Um, the thing is though, that Google is trying their best to make it so that none of this stuff actually works. So if you actually do get a manual action, it means you found something that Google can't devalue algorithmically and they've been able to find it with a manual check. Um, but you can know that when they've flagged things, I mean, I see this all the time. I see we get this little wave of like, oh, there's unnatural links for this type of link in these sites. Uh, last year, for example, widget links. There were a bunch of sites that got uh, manual actions because they were building links through widgets. Um, and, and then we didn't see any more manual actions for a while. I'm 100% sure that Google gave the manual actions and then the web spam team worked at making it so that algorithmically these links don't count. Um, my point is most sites do not need to be disavowing. If you look at your link profile and you're like, oh my goodness, I'll, I see these spammy sites pointing to me. How did this happen? You probably don't need to disavow. But if you have been actively building links in a way that you really wouldn't want the web spam team to look at, then that's the type of site that we've actually been seeing some improvements for uh, in conjunction with disavowing. So take it as it, as it is. I keep wanting to write an article about the latest, my latest thinks on, uh, thinks, my latest thoughts on um, disavowing links. And uh, unfortunately, there's just too much going on. So hopefully I will have that out at some point in the future. Um, let's see, if you missed my webinar on EAT, uh, it's available now to watch on YouTube. You can either go to my YouTube channel or the latest newsletter, episode 62, has um, a link to the part one of the EAT webinar. And uh, we've had over a thousand people watch it. We've had tons of really good feedback. Um, 
There were great comments during the uh, live chat. Uh, and uh, and so we're, like I said before, we're going to do another one, probably two of these in uh, the months to come. Uh, so thank you for everybody who has participated with that. Um, going back to a tweet from John Mueller and links, somebody asked uh, how much attention they have to be paying to um, negative SEO attacks from... Uh, a click-through rate attack. And uh, so this is basically a uh, click-through rate attack. It's like people trying to land on a site and make it look like people didn't enjoy that site and then go back to the search results and land on something else. And John said, you can just ignore that. So I think Google is getting really good at figuring out bot activity uh, as opposed to general, like actual legitimate search activity from people. Um, we have talked about this before, but it's been a while uh, that Google honors the most restrictive settings on a page. Now, what I mean by that, we actually reviewed a site just this week that had two noindex directives on their page. They had noindex uh, uh, follow and index follow. The noindex follow is the more restrictive of those two. And if you have both on the page, Google is going to choose the more restrictive one. So if you have pages that are not getting in the index, you might want to check if there's a hidden noindex somewhere in the page. Um, let's see what else. We're almost at the end here. Somebody asked John Mueller whether it was okay to put a media page on your site where you link out to, like, here's where we were in the press. Now, to some of you, this seems ridiculous. Of course, this is okay, but I get where this person was coming from. Um, what they were asking is, you know, these are reciprocal links, right? You've got a link from, say, uh, the New York Times pointing to your site, and then your site links to the New York Times. So is that a reciprocal link? That's totally okay. Google expects to see that type of action. Um, where reciprocal links are a problem is when you're doing it in a way unnaturally. So if you kind of created a ring of, uh, I know lawyers do this all the time. I know there used to be like Google plus circles with lawyers where they would all plus up each other's, uh, plus one each other's posts. And uh, we've seen it on lawyer sites as well, where, uh, you know, it would almost like a link network where you would publish guest posts on other lawyer sites. And that's the type of thing that's a problem. But John actually said in terms of press pages, I don't see a problem with that. It's kind of natural to do that. Lots of sites are proud of their media mentions and are keen on pointing them out. We actually recommend doing this as part of your EAT. The Quality Raiders Guidelines, they talk about um, whether your business has won awards and so if and whether you have press mentions. We think that Google gathers most of this information externally, but it certainly doesn't hurt to point it out on your own site. It was a good uh, comment on whether Shopify is good for SEO. And uh, Charles Float pointed out a few things. Um, first of all, Barry Adams said, it's not a perfect platform, but you can rank well with a Shopify site. And he's got some clients that use it well with good success. Uh, Charles Float pointed out that a few things. There's no server log analysis. Not a big deal for some sites. I mean, server logs can tell you tons of stuff, but you can still rank a site without server logs. Uh, it's hard to create linked assets. He said, like, you can do blog posts, but if you want to do a standalone post or a page that maybe doesn't have your branding on it, um, things like that, then that's going to be difficult to, to do. 
optimizing for speed is challenging. And also if you're trying to implement redirects, that can be a real challenge as well. So something to think about. I, I do, I haven't done a lot of work with Shopify, but I think that there's a lot of good things there. And for the average small business owner who's trying to sell things online, it's probably a good idea. Um, I mean, if you're, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So I think it's not a perfect platform, but uh, there are a lot of good things about it. Somebody asked John Mueller about whether or not uh, a particular link should be no followed. And the link was because it was to one of their own properties. And here's what John said. Here's how you know whether you should no follow a link. Is it paid? Is it sponsored? Is it traded? Or is it an untrusted user-generated content? Otherwise, you don't need to nofollow. So you can link to your own properties. I think one thing John didn't put in here, but I know that Google looks at, is volume. So, you know, if you linked to a couple of your own properties, that's totally okay. That's expected. But let's say you have a hundred of your own websites and maybe they're not related and you're linking in between your own sites for just for SEO reasons, then that's the type of link that probably you shouldn't be doing and you should be considering no following. Um, let's see what else we'll talk about here. We're, uh, oh, Cyrus Shepard shared this really neat tool that removes the background from photos and it works really fast. So not an SEO thing, but I know, uh, those of you who are producing content, that's something that, um, might be uh, useful. Oh, right. So let's talk here about uh, the latest Google Help Hangout. So uh, we've talked about this before, but I've actually started uh, creating a whole new post again. I did this years ago and now we're doing it again. Uh, that um, summarizes the Google Help Hangouts and talks about the most important things that you need to know. So if you want the entire transcript, we've got it on our site. And otherwise, um, you know, the most important parts are there. So here's some of the important things that came up in the latest Help Hangout. I'm not going to list them all. Uh, because we're we're almost at the half hour mark here, uh, but a few things that might be helpful to people. Uh, let's see here. Somebody asked about a page that was marked in Search Console as no indexed, but the page itself actually wasn't no indexed. And what John said was that uh, when a page is no indexed, Google will take a long time to recrawl that page. So this case, the site owner actually had no indexed it months ago. They removed the no index tag and it wasn't returning to search. So what John suggested is that they submit that page to the index. That'll get Google to crawl it faster. And then Google will see that there's no longer a no index tag and it should get back in Google's index. Um, Let's see here. If you're using rel, prev, and next, uh, then you also want to, it's not enough to just have that in your source code. You want to make sure that there are actual links on the page to the previous and the next page as well. So that's a mistake that some people um, often make. Here's a really interesting one. Um, if you have, let's say you have an event that happens every single year. Then, uh, and you have this on a URL on your site that for ease of, of conversation, we'll just say it's under a directory called slash events. And so now it's a year later and you have another, you have the 2018 version of that event to add. Then do you make a whole new page for that? What John said is move the content that was on the slash events page to slash events slash 2017. 
And so that content is still on the web if people want to find it. But the 2018 version is on the events page that's already built up some um, authority. It's potentially built up links. It's uh, already indexed. It doesn't have to go through the whole process of Google figuring out whether it's high quality. So that's a really good tip there um, on what to do in that type of situation. Somebody asked whether you could use uh, two kinds of structured data on a page. So whether you're using uh, microdata as well as JSON-LD. And John said it's fine to use both versions, but it can get confusing. And he recommends just sticking with one. Uh, and then one final person asked uh, whether the content, uh, the, the quality of your comments on your site could uh, contribute to Google's assessment of quality for your site? And most definitely, yes. Uh, if you have pages with low quality comments on them, um, you know, if people are just coming there to swear at other people and to complain, then that can contribute to the quality of your, your entire site. Conversely, you could have an article that's, you know, half decent. And then in the comments section, there's all this really, really great information. That can be a positive for your um, actual quality of your, your entire page. So you really do want to pay attention to the quality of the comments on your site. Uh, in local SEO, Barry Schwartz pointed out that there's a new thing for hotels. Google's got some type of an overlay that's got insights like um, what uh, people liked about a particular hotel. So if you're doing SEO for hotels, you might want to pay attention to that. Uh, Joy Hawkins had an interesting uh, thing on the local search forum about um, traffic coming from the Google My Business posts. If you're using Google Posts, we've noted uh, recently that the posts are being shown now at the bottom of your knowledge panel. They used to be at the top. And uh, what Joy is noticing is that people are getting fewer clicks. Makes sense, right? Because it's lower down now, um, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, and you know what? With that, we're, we're done, the content for this week. So uh, as I said, we're going to have a little bit less content next week. I may or may not have a podcast. So if you hear, you mean, if there's a little bit of a break over the next couple of weeks of podcasts, don't worry. We're going to pick it up again into the new year. Um, my family and I are, for the first time, going to take a, a vacation in a nice, warm place. So we're looking forward to that after Christmas. Um, those of you who celebrate Christmas, I want to wish you the merriest of Christmases. I really hope that you're able to disconnect uh, from work and get some good quality family time in. Um, and I really uh, hope that this is a, a good time of year um, for, for everyone. So thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate uh, everybody in the audience. You um, make me happy when I hear feedback that uh, this podcast is actually helping people. So best of luck with your rankings and I'll see you uh, soon. Thank you.